or by it. He said, when I consider thy heavens, the sun and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. He made this statement, and, and it's a question we have often. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? And I don't know about you, but the fact that God loved me is an amazing truth. It's one of those things that I don't know that I'll ever fully understand. And I know when we get to heaven, the Bible says we're going to understand uh, all things I don't know if we'll understand God's motivation for loving us. We may. I, I, perhaps we will. But I can't understand why God didn't just destroy man when he sinned and start all over. But instead, he made a way of redemption. <coughs> he was willing to suffer so that we could have the, the wonderful joy of salvation and we thank Him for that today. I hope you're, uh, I hope you're at a place in your life where you just love the Lord for what He's done for you. Really, the, the, the secret of the Christian life is, is a single decision. A lot of people say, well, I don't know how to be victorious in the Christian life. If, if every Christian would learn this one truth and, and live by it, pastors would probably be out of a job. Because the Christian life boils down to one simple decision. God's way or my way. His will or my will. And it's, sim- it's that simple. And while it is a simple truth, it is an extremely hard truth to live. Because that old nature just likes to get in the way, doesn't it? Well, it's New Year's Eve. How many of you are going to stay up tonight and watch the New Year come in? I'll tell you this, that I will watch the New Year come in when it crosses the international date line, then I'm going to bed. That's probably about 6 o'clock this evening sometime. Uh, a lot of excitement around the New Year, isn't it? As Christians, I think it's it's a time for us to ponder, to reflect on the last year that we've had, and to look on another year that God's given us to serve Him. A lot of things are going to happen this next day or so, and maybe have already started happening in some cases. A lot of people are going to start making what we call New Year's resolutions. I think there's a wonderful time to for Christians to come to God's Word, to find out how we measure up to it, and to find things that we want to improve our obedience on throughout this year. And to make those commitments to the Lord. Lord, I want to do better in this area of my life uh, throughout this year. Give me your strength and help to do it. But uh, here in just a little while, and the countdown, I guess, has already started in some places of the world, there are going to be uh, literally billions of people. that I found out just this past week that this year we crossed the 8 billion level of population in the world. Can you believe that? Eight billion people. The vast majority of them are lost and on their way to hell. I was listening to a a television uh, network a number of years ago. It's been probably eight or ten years ago. uh, And um, they had news, or they had bought these stations all around the world and by satellite. And they made the statement, they said, because of our network, which does not teach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It preaches a different gospel. It teaches a works gospel. 
But they said, because of our network of stations around the world, we believe 98% of the world are saved and on their way to heaven. And I thought, boy, they're vastly mistaken. The Bible says that narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. That's a sad state uh, for our world to be in. We who have been given so much by way of forgiveness and to be able to be given a great uh, charge to our life, a great commission of going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature, and to have the enabling power of the Holy Spirit with us, and to have the enabling words and the transforming words of God's perfect, eternal, inspired, preserved, without error Word of God to use to share the gospel with other people. Why is it that there are so many that do not know Him? Many in the United States of America that do not know Him. Uh, used to be a number of years ago that the United States was uh, sending more missionaries out into the mission field. Now we're in a time where there are more missionaries being sent to the United States than the United States are sending out into foreign fields. There's going to be uh, an answering of this, I believe, in our lives and lives of others. The book of James, chapter 4, if you'll turn there, James chapter 4. In praying about and trying to decide what to preach at this time of year and reflecting on the fact that we've got a new year before us and trying to encourage and charge us, I... My point this morning in teaching and preaching, I don't believe, is is to try to bring any kind of guilt on us as much as to encourage us for us not to necessarily have to focus on the things we failed this last year in, but to focus on the things we need to succeed in and work for and be diligent for this year. In the course of doing that, uh, you can't do one without having to look at the other to some degree. And, uh, but I want you to understand that the intent of the message this morning is not to get us to express sorrow over our failure so much as it is to express a commitment to the Lord that, Lord, I want to do more this year. And uh, as we get to the book of James, he makes this statement in verse number 13 under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. Father, we come to you once again. I ask that you would help the next few moments for us to lay aside the cares, the burdens that we came in here with. Lord, so many people, it seems like here of late, have been so overwhelmed in their Burdens are so great. Things that could even cause them to be distracted during the time of preaching of Your Word. And I pray that You'd help us to lay them aside and to cast our care upon You. To place our hearts and our minds wholly upon the teaching of Your Word and guide and direct our steps. Lord, may Your Holy Spirit have His free reign in our hearts. May there not be anything that would grieve or hinder Him from doing the work He so longs to do that He would not have to stand outside of our heart's door knocking, trying to gain an entrance to commune and to sup with us, but that we would 
wholeheartedly and willingly throw the door wide open and welcome Him into our hearts to give guidance, to give understanding, to give strength, and to give power, to give comfort where it's needed. And Lord, may we learn to be yielded completely and wholly to His leading into the teaching of Your Word. We pray that You'll bless the time that we spend here around it today. Guide and direct our steps, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone asked a long time ago, what, how much time do we have? And somebody looked around, looked at a clock, said, oh, we got an hour. <laughs> uh, there's, it's funny how oftentimes people say, well, Pastor, you went five minutes over. And yet we never publish a time that we're going to end the service. I don't know where that comes from. But, uh, but the truth is this, when you ask the question, how much time do we have? The answer is this, not a lot. It's not a lot. I'm at the point in my life, I told my kids the other day, I'm at a point in my life where uh, I, I, I enjoy watching my children get joy in life. I enjoy, uh, they, they always want to know, what do, what do we want to get you for Christmas? And I'm like, something that will make a memory. I want to do something with you kids that will make, make a memory. Because I know that I have fewer days in front of me than I have behind me. And many of us that are here today can, can say that, and we know that. And I think without exception, most of us would say it went by a lot faster than we thought it would. We don't have a lot of time. The Bible says it's a vapor. Should we go by way of the rapture or should we go by way of death? The truth is, in both cases, it's not a lot of time. To accomplish a great work for the Lord, to do what He's asked us to do. Tonight, there's going to be some people watching television sets or maybe in person. They're going to be watching clocks that count and tick down the seconds. Every second that goes by is gone. It's behind them. They're going to watch these countdowns. And can I tell you this? Everything that we have in this life has a countdown on it. The moment we were born, a timer began. Every second was accounted for. God knew exactly when we were going to be born. He knows exactly when we're going to leave this world, whether it be by death or by the rapture. There's a countdown on it. There's only a certain amount of time that we have that He's entrusted to us. And what we do with that time is left up to our decisions oftentimes. But God has commissioned us. He's given us some things that we're to do this side of heaven. I want us to look at a couple of other passages, if you will. We'll begin in Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter number 4. We mentioned in Sunday school this morning that uh, there are sometimes in Scripture that things are mentioned more than once. Sometimes it's because we forget things and... Peter was very clear about oftentimes saying, by way of remembrance, I want to remind you, I want to stir up your uh, pure minds by way of remembrance, and the fact that there's no new uh, doctrine that he was teaching at a certain point, but I just want to remind you of these things. And and there are certainly, as we get older especially, there is certainly the need to be reminded of things. I don't know about you, but my brain leaks now. It doesn't, didn't used to do that so much. And uh, I tell people it's like a big sponge. It holds an awful lot until you go to use it. Then it all leaks out. And it seems like when you need the information, it's not there. But not only by way of remembrance, but I believe this, that also 
because of the stubbornness of our old flesh nature, sometimes the truth needs to be reiterated over and over in our hearts. It needs to be reminded. We need to understand the emphasis that God places on a particular truth. As we get to Colossians chapter 4, the Bible says in verse number 4 that I may make it manifest. Uh, let's back up uh, verse number. We'll start in verse one. We'll, we'll read down through. Let's start in Genesis, and we'll, it's all good, right? Let's start in verse one because I want you to get the context of it. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, even though he's instructing earthly masters, he's making the distinction that we have a master in heaven. We are his servants, and as such, we have some responsibilities. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open uh, unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I also I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And here's the phrase I want you to see, redeeming the time. These countdowns that took place the moment you were born, that began in your life, uh, the seconds that are ticking away every moment are to be redeemed. The word redeemed has the idea of purchasing it back or buying it back uh, to gain ownership of it once again. It's so easily lost. It's so easily given away. It's so easily frittered away. And, and, and through our own uh, distractions, if you will, of the affairs of this life, oftentimes... Our time is not wisely used. And so he speaks of this in verse number 5, <coughs> that we are to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Those that are not saved, those that don't know the, the gospel message, we're to walk wisely, and the way that we walk wisely is we buy back the time that we have to do what Paul asked them to pray about. We find here that there are a few things that Paul is speaking of here when he deals with this topic of redeeming the time. And the first one is this. He says in verse number uh, 2, continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. And in verse number 3, he says this, with all, praying also for us. Can I tell you this, that there are some people that say, well, pastor, I'm too old and I'm too frail and I don't have the health to go out and tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Then pray. You can be a powerful prayer warrior. I know a young man, a young man that was physically disabled a number of years ago in our church down in Florida, and he, he uh, uh, would uh, buy uh, these uh, uh, addresses. You can buy these things for marketing these thousands of addresses, and he would purchase uh, ten or twelve or fifteen thousand tracks at a time, and he would buy these these things. And he would write handwrite personal letters to people and put a track in it and mail it off with a first class stamp on it. And he said, I can't get out there physically, but I can do something for the Lord. What was he doing? He was redeeming his time. Because time is short. The Apostle Paul knew that his time was short. In fact, at the time of this writing, he is in bonds for the preaching of the Gospel. And he says, I want you to pray with me. And then he says this in verse 2, And watch in the same with thanksgiving. Can I tell you this? How often we pray and we say, Well, I don't know if God will answer that or not. And we go on about our business. 
When we pray, we ought to pray with faith. We ought to pray expecting God, especially when we're praying that God help us to accomplish His will that we know is written in Scripture. God longs for us to fulfill that will as much as we long to fulfill it. And there is no doubt when we pray along these lines, Lord, give me opportunity. Open up those doors. Give someone to to, to share the gospel with. I promise you this, He'll do it. He'll bring somebody across your path. And if He doesn't, He'll bring you across theirs. He'll give you the opportunities. He says we need to be praying. Why? Because we need to redeem the time. If I don't have somebody right now that I'm sharing the gospel with, I ought to be praying for the opportunity. Lord, bring somebody. I hope every day God brings somebody across my path. I hope two or three times a day He'll bring somebody across my path. Pray and then be watchful of that thing. It's one thing for us to pray at the breakfast table as we're getting ready for the day. Lord, bring somebody across our path. And then we go through our day. And we get to the end of the day and we say, Lord, I didn't, I didn't have anybody. And all of a sudden we think, well, I did have to fill up with gas. And there was that guy standing on the other side of the gas pump from me. Well, there was that person that was walking down the side of the road and had an armful of groceries walking home. Uh, there, there's, uh, you know, there was that one thing today where I was checking something out at a register and there were no customers behind me. There was that errant phone call. There was that, I love this one, they send you these things in the mail with the prepaid postage already on the envelopes. Put a track in it and mail it back. It doesn't even cost you a stamp. We pray for opportunities. And then we look at the day and say, I didn't have any. May we be watchful of the same. May we ask the Lord to open our eyes and the Holy Spirit to bring upon our hearts that we can recognize the opportunities He brings to us. Why? Because there's a a time. There's only so much of it that we have. And most of us here today would say, there's not a lot of it. There's not a lot of it. Some things that need to be dealt with this year in my life. I need to be more fervent. I need to be more diligent. I need to be more watchful. I need to be more prayerful for God to bring opportunities for me. Notice he says in verse number 3, wherewithal, or withal, praying also for us. And, and unless you wonder what he was asking them to pray about, here it is, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of, the, of Christ, which is the gospel message. For which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. This life is a vapor. What are we to do? We're to redeem the time. We can sit in our homes tonight and watch the the clock tick down the seconds. May we learn in everyday life. To wake up with a clock in our eyes, and our spiritual minds, thinking it's, it's ticking down. I don't have a whole lot of time left. I don't know how much time God will give me on this earth. I hope it's a whole lot longer. I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of the process that you have to go through to get there. I'm looking forward to heaven, though. And while there are things in this world that frustrate me and things I get discouraged about, I certainly am not sitting here saying, boy, I wish wish God would just hold off His coming. I'm ready for Him to come. 
My kids don't like to hear me say this, but I've told them, I said, guys, I'm not afraid to die. If God takes me, He takes me. But oh, I want to be doing what He wants us to be doing when that time comes. Oh, that we're sharing the gospel with people. We're, we're, we're binding up the brokenhearted. We're sharing the gospel with them, helping them know there's a God that loves them, that does not want to see them perish. He came to this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. We need to teach them these things. He says in verse number 6, Let your speech be always with grace. And I think we ought to speak the truth in love and speak graciously. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, I've grown up, excuse me, I've grown up in, in independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, hellfire, brimstone preaching churches all my life. And I are one of those. But I'm going to tell you this. We were identified many times by how much we hated people because of how we presented the message. The truth is we don't hate people. We hate the sin. But there ought to be a graciousness when it comes to sharing the gospel with someone. And notice not only should there be graciousness, but he says this, seasoned with salt. That's an interesting thing. In the Sermon on the Mount, in the similitudes, when he talks about that, he talks about the fact that we are the salt of the earth. We're to have an effect on this earth. He talks about the fact that there's salt, some salt that's lost its savor. And the Bible says this, it's good for nothing but to be trodden under the foot of man. Can I tell you this, that when our speech is gracious speech, I can say this, I can say, uh, I can say, Brother Harold, you look really great today. That's a gracious speech. But it's not salty speech. If I could say, Brother Harold, would you join me in praying this year for people to be saved? Now, that's, that's salty speech. Now, we're starting to make a difference with what we're saying. And when it comes to reaching the lost, they don't just need to hear us say, we love you and we're your friend. They need to hear that there's a Savior that loves them. That there's a, there's a lost condition that they're in that if they don't change their, their heart and their mind to, to the place of putting their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, that they won't, they won't escape the fires of hell. That they need to understand this truth. I know a lot of people who are always about, well, we've got to show them the love of Christ. And I think we do. But then they stop there and that's all they ever show them. There needs to be some salt in our speech. Something that has a purifying effect. Something that has a seizing effect. Something that will make a difference. And not be a salt that's lost its Savior. Why? Because there's a clock that is ticking. At the end of the day, there are some days I feel like I've worked all day and spent 12 hours and I was busy all day long. And I sit down at night and I look around and I think, as busy as I was, I don't feel like I accomplished a whole lot. You ever been there? Then other days, I feel like, boy, I didn't do a whole lot, but boy, sure, a whole lot got got done. We get to the end of our days sometimes and we think, another day of my life is gone. Was it worthwhile? Was it worthwhile? Did it make a difference in somebody's life? Did it make a difference for the cause of Christ? You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist or a missionary to live a life that makes a difference for God. You simply have to be one that redeems the time. That prays for God to give us utterance. 
that prays for our speech to be always with grace and seasoned with salt. Now I want us to turn over to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Paul's writing here again to a different church. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse number 15. He's going to make a similar statement here. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 15. Let's back up to verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. Boy, that would be a good message for a lot of Christians today. Because the truth of us is, a lot of us is, we're asleep. We don't recognize that the time is fleeting. The moments are passing. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as what? Fools, but as wise. <coughs> the wise man is a man who will walk circumspectly. He'll be able to look around at the things that are taking place in the world. He'll be able to have an understanding. He'll be able to look into Scripture and see what the Scripture teaches. He'll be able to see the lost in their undone condition. He'll be able to see carnal Christians that need to be lifted up and strengthened by the Word of God. He'll find others that are spiritual Christians that need to be exhorted and encouraged to continue in the faith. And He's going to redeem the time again. It's the wise thing for the Christian to do. Because the Bible tells us in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Why? Because the time is ticking. We may all gather around family tonight and watch a clock welcome in the new year. But folks, there is a clock that's going to welcome in eternity one of these days, and you and I may be eyewitnesses to it. Somebody said this years ago. I've heard Brother Don Sisk say this many, many times. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. What are we doing for Him? Are we redeeming the time? Are we living life to ourselves? Are we spending. I'm not saying that there's never a time for recreation or time to come apart and rest. But are we spending and more focused and more concerned about our own affairs and our own life than we are about reaching the lost or growing in the Christian faith and reading Scripture and walking with God? Are we making a difference? One group of people feel like that 98% of the world is already converted because of their television broadcast. Can I tell you this? If I had to be asked today what I think about the world's condition I would say it's the exact opposite. I would guess maybe 2% are saved. Maybe 2% know they're going to heaven. The vast majority are going to hell. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine in the area recently. They were starting a church here in the area, and they wanted to touch base with me and say, you know, just want to let you know we're going to be starting a church in the area and don't want to step on any toes when I do it. And I said, brother, I'll support you every way I can. Because in Jefferson County, we're not even reaching 
Not even one percent. And we could have a hundred churches that preach the gospel in this area and still not step on each other's toes and still not be reaching all of them. Why? Because so often we become too entangled with the affairs of this life and we don't redeem the time. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then I want you to notice, he says this in verse number seven, 17. He says, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, what is the will of the Lord? Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I've heard people say this so often before. The filling of the Spirit is an interesting phrase in Scripture. It doesn't have to do so much with the Holy Spirit only giving you part of Himself. But it has to do with our yieldedness to Him. There are two things we can do, the Bible says, to the Holy Spirit. And that is, we can grieve Him and we can quench Him. So much so that in the letter to the Laodiceans in Revelation chapter 3, The angel of the church of Laodicea was told this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why would the Holy Spirit of God have to be at the door of a church knocking to gain entrance? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I tell you this, there are a lot of us who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because we're saved. But there are not very many, I think, in this world who have the filling of the Holy Spirit. Where we have become so yielded to His leading, to where we live with eternity in view, we wake up in the morning and think of the fact that we have an opportunity today to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Most of us don't think that way when we wake up. We think we wake up thinking, well, the dog needs to go out and I've got to get ready for work and I've got all these things I've got to do today. We plan our schedule. We even have our time of devotion and we go through our time of devotion oftentimes never thinking that the clock is ticking. The countdown that began the day I was born. It's ticking. We don't have a lot of time to pray. We don't have a lot of time to be filled with the Spirit. We don't have a lot of time to seek for God to give us the open doors and be able to utter the gospel message to those that are lost. (coughs) We only have a little bit of time. We need to understand what the will of God is. We need to live with it. We need to be filled with the Spirit. And while I've spent most of the message dealing with our responsibility to the lost, can I tell you this? Finally, we also have a responsibility to one another. Notice what he says here in verse number 19. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, I have a responsibility as a child of God to encourage other children of God. To edify them, 
to have my heart stirred so that I can in turn encourage them and exhort them and edify them. Redeeming the time. We get despondent, we get in despair, we have things not go the way we want to, and the first thing we want to do is have a pity party for ourselves, pout in the corner, sing that little song, Nobody Loves Me, Everybody Hates Me. And what we need to do is say, Lord, there's a great work to be done. I have no time for this. Help me have the strength to get up and go on. There's a lot of things that are going to happen over the next few hours looking for a new year. But could I ask you this? Can we look beyond the new year and instead watch that clock tick towards eternity? Instead of looking for January 1st, 2024, can we not look towards the time that God is going to end life on this earth? And we'll all be joined together in heaven. And can we not labor and work towards that? Lastly, if you'll turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, we'll be done. 2 Peter chapter 3, one of the reasons I believe often that we do not redeem the time as we should is because we are not mindful of In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 2, let's back up to verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And Peter was very good about reminding people of things. That ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. You ever think of that word mindful? What does that mean to be mindful? You take the etymology of these types of words, and it's amazing how our English language came to be. It means to have literally your mind filled with, to be mindful of. Peter says this, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. We, we have those scoffers today, don't we? I can't believe you believe in God. He's, you guys say all this stuff, where is He? He's not around. He's not coming. They're scoffing. They're saying, where is He? You've been saying this ever since the fathers fell asleep, and He still isn't here. Peter goes on to explain some things. Verse number 8, he says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. In other words, it's in God's hands when He returns, but He's going to return. And then he's, He writes this, and it's a verse that we often quote out of context. 
we quote it in claiming other promises of Scripture and saying, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, God's promised me this and the Lord's not slack concerning His promise. But I want you to understand the context of this is this, that there were going to be scoffers that come in the last day saying, where is the time of His coming? You've been saying He's coming ever since the fathers fell asleep. And He says, I want you to realize that the time that you understand is different for God. A day with God is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. You can't count on the days that man understands. But something I want you to know, and this is what Peter says, there's something I want you to know. And that is this. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. What promise? The promise that He's coming again. He's not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Whatever time God has tarried from the time of Calvary till the present day is simply because of His willing to be long-suffering to those that are lost, to give them opportunity. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall met with fervent heat. The earth also, the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ye ought to be in all holy conversation and godliness. We need to be telling people the gospel message because the time is ticking away. We need to be living holy with a life that is godly. Because the time is ticking. In verse 12 he says this, Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven, for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth the righteous. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be what? Diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. When He comes, I want to be found doing His work and living the way I'm supposed to live. Why? Because He's going to come as a thief in the night. We have no idea when it's coming. Redeeming the time. In a few hours, we're going to usher in a new year. We're going to have a lot of plans. We're going to have a lot of New Year's resolutions. Nothing wrong with that. I think you ought to. Some of us are going to set goals. May we set those goals and may we make the changes in our life not just with the new year in view but with eternity in view because there's not a lot of time. Let's stand together, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed. Are we redeeming the time? Are we spending time 